0: A Woodside Church podcast. Uh, my name is Martin. Uh, Offer my welcome, my greeting to you. It's great to be here this morning as family together. Uh, we are doing the final part of a series we've been looking at called "For the Love of." For the love of. And uh, I understand Ollie, uh spoke last week, looking at the love of church. I heard he did okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, 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 so I've got to follow a good one, right, that's, that's, the, that's the challenge, brilliant, I've watched it this week, absolutely phenomenal, so yeah, we've, um, we're enjoying this topic, as I say, this is the final one, but really what I want to talk about today is for the love of self, for the love of self, which is not a sort of topic we've looked at in my days here, actually, but uh, we thought it'd be interesting to look at how the Bible encourages or doesn't encourage us, we'll get into that, about loving ourselves. What I would want to say in terms of introduction is there is something going on and something going very wrong around us. How many times do you and I hear phrases like these? I'm exhausted. I'm overwhelmed. I'm over-scheduled, I'm anxious, I'm isolated, I'm dissatisfied. The list goes on, doesn't it? Now don't get me wrong, there are seasons of life that we all feel those things, of course. But it feels like everywhere we go and every person I speak to and you speak to, at some point or other recently, are expressing those types of things. It's more of, a, I guess, an epidemic proportions uh, of we're recognising amongst us. So much so that you know when something's going on, because the rest of society recognises these things. So one of the words that you hear a lot about now is mindfulness. Yeah? There's a lot of advice about having good mindfulness mindfulness and self-care. Even if you go on the NHS website, you will see the t- top four tips of mindfulness. Some of it helpful, to be fair. You see, the world recognises that there is a problem, and we do too. But of course, the world's version of self-care tends to take, or does tend to take, in my opinion, a, a, a good idea, but then ends up in a, not a great outcome. So the message that you will hear from our culture, if you like, would be that the message is that your comfort is the most important thing and that you can restore yourself by seeking your own peace and pleasure. I wonder if we agree with that. But with all this talk about self-love this morning, you may be thinking the complete opposite. You may be thinking, well, it all sounds a little bit self-centered and a little bit selfish and a little bit, it's all about me, me, me. You may be thinking, isn't that part of the problem? Now, certainly I would believe and agree that uh, focus on me can become an idol in itself. We live in a very individualistic society. And so the way that an individualistic society would outwork this problem will be in a very individualistic way. That isn't necessarily a biblical way. However, the Bible is very strong on us taking good care of ourselves. So this isn't a subject that we're just addressing because it's topical, although it is. We're addressing this subject because actually this is something the Bible speaks to us about so let me give you a couple of examples. Ephesians 5:29 says this. I haven't got it on the screen. apologies for this. Do you remember the old days when people used to bring their Bibles? Do you remember that? <laughs> of course, you've got your phones, haven't you? But anyway, you don't have to turn, I don't. Ephesians 5:29 says this: "For no one has ever hated his or her own body, but he nourishes it and tenderly cares for it. As the Messiah does the church. Proverbs 19.8 says this. To acquire wisdom is to love oneself. So it's okay to love oneself. In fact to acquire wisdom is a way of loving oneself. There's an awful lot of knowledge out there. You can go on the internet and find an awful lot of information. But wisdom is something so much greater. To acquire wisdom is to love oneself. People who cherish understanding will prosper. So we need to acquire some wisdom today to love ourselves well. And my first point is this. Loving ourselves begins by not focusing on me. Loving ourselves begins by not focusing on me. Let me illustrate this or give you some examples. Firstly, Loving God, so love myself and so not focus on me, means loving God and knowing his love for me. So suddenly loving myself isn't all about me, it's all about him. And knowing his love for us. This is where we started. Our first, uh, if you like, um, anchor preach was for the love of God. So these things all weave together, loving God and knowing his love for me. If I was to say to you that, let's imagine last Sunday it was announced that uh, a very well-known prophet was going to be here this Sunday and was going to be sharing and speaking to us today, we'd probably all get quite excited, wouldn't we? Or may I think of your favourite prophet? I'm not trying to, <laughs> to minimise the prophetic gift. Please hear me. What I'm trying to underline is the word of God. So compare how would you feel if, if there was, it doesn't matter who it was, somebody recognised prophetic uh, prophet was coming, uh, I think in numbers would be, oh, that's going to be an exciting morning. Compare that with the idea that look forward to this Sunday because Martin Tibbet is going to be reading the Word of God. Would we be as excited? I hope so. Okay, that's it. Let's, uh, let's sing. Let's, uh, tea and coffee will be served. Okay. Let me read to you. I want to take my time over this. This is all about loving God and knowing God's love for you. I was reading Psalm 139 this week. Oh, my goodness. If we can put this on the screen. I'm not a great reader, but I do my best. Just listen to these words. You have searched me, Lord. And you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. The word of God. If we wanna love ourselves well, We feed on this truth. We drink it in. We find out how much God knows and loves us. Dawn and I last year went to Cyprus. And I don't normally do this type of thing, but there was a local, we were near Paphos, there was a a monastery there. And there's a guy, uh, there's a, It's a Catholic monastery, and there's a Saint Neophytus, I think his name is. In fact, he's known as Saint Neophytus the Recluse. Because this man chose to build this monastery as a place for him to just meditate on God. Now, I'm not saying that we should all go and build monasteries. But there's something that some of, our, some of those who have gone before us have, have found something, captured something about knowing the depth of God's love. So much so that they want to meditate and to get away from everything to, to really pour their energies and their thinking into these truths. In fact, Dawn and I went to see this monastery. It was quite beautiful. And then I realised up the hill was another smaller monastery. It was really just a cave that had been sort of cut out of the rock. And that's because this guy, St. Neophytus, he, he, because he became known as a recluse and known for his intimacy with God, crowds would gather. So he left the monastery he built and he built another one further away from people so he could invest and meditate on how wonderful God is and what God feels about him. It's just like, wow. Do you ever think sometimes I've missed something here of what it's like to be overwhelmed by the truth of what God's love is like. I wanna, maybe for you, that's part of what you need to do. You need to really to know, to love yourself well, you need to focus less on you but more on God and find out more about what God thinks of you. I've got so many similar verses. Read Psalm 23 afresh. I mean, it, it's, there's a reason why it's probably the most popular part of the scripture that most people that know around the globe, that the words are phenomenal, really encourage us to do that. Secondly, how do we love ourselves? By not focusing on ourselves, by loving our friends and knowing their love for us. We looked at it, didn't we, a couple of weeks ago, the importance of good friendships, the model of Jesus, that he had 72. And then he had the 12 that he spent his life together. And then there was a three, uh, three of the disciples he had intimate friendship with. They were the ones that stayed with him when others went away, when just before, as he went into the Garden of Gethsemane. But he also had another three, a, a small family. They were like uh, a table, kitchen table friends, if you like. Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And he'd spend time with them. See, loving ourselves isn't just removing yourself from everything. Sometimes it's as practical as making sure you've got good friends around you. And of course last week Ollie did a great job about loving the church and finding genuine community and a place to belong. See this is where the world goes wrong. It says to love you you need to take yourself out of everything. But actually to love you well you need to make sure you know God and you have great friends and also you're part of a local church community. Sadly uh, Satan deceives so many Christians that they get they get caught up in the lie that, that, that they, they can actually find their way by separating themselves from local church. I thought Ollie brilliantly um, brought about a, a moment when he talked about when people have been hurt through church. I was in a group a community group this week when Uh, I think 80, if not 90% of the people in the room have had an experience in church where they've been deeply hurt by it. Two of the people in the room were Dawn and I and two of the people expressing that we've been hurt too was Dawn and I. I know what it's like. I know what it's like. But we mustn't allow that to rob us of all that the church can be. Hebrews, it says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters... For he who promises faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So we begin by not focusing on me. But focusing on these things and many other things we could include. But let's go on to the next point. Love yourself by getting the balance right. I'm gonna go really practical now. I like practical preaching. I like preaching that says, doesn't just fill us with knowledge of scripture, but actually fills us with, with knowledge that we can apply to our lives. That's the point of a preacher, you realize. We're supposed to put it into practice. And so the sign of a mature Christian is not someone who knows their Bible very well. Sign of a mature Christian is someone who applies it in their lives. Do we understand? So we we, we like practical preaching. Well, I like it anyway. And unfortunately, because you come here, you have to endure it as well. But I want to look at getting the balance right. And I need, hang on, one, two, three, four, five willing volunteers, please. Haniel, did you just shout out? Haniel? Anyone else? You don't have to be... No, I wouldn't say that. Uh, Haniel, don't say it. Mark, good man. Let's give these guys a round of applause, shall we? They don't know what they're. Good man. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Okay, so, Samuel. Actually, now that is perfect. That is perfect. No, 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 no. Okay, we need one more. Uh, we need a lady, don't we? Why well, don't Judith? Okay, okay. Now, I've got, I've got some things here. Hang on, let me get this right. So I've got um, some different sheets here that say different words. One says God, one says family, one says work, one says church, and one says you. Okay, and I want to just unpack together and agree together how we get the balance right in our lives. Is that okay? Do you understand? Because you remember, we're all exhausted, we're all overwhelmed, we're all too busy. Dot, 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 yeah? Okay. But how do we make this work? Yeah? Okay. So, um, well, let's, let's start with God, shall we? Samuel. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, well, let's, I tell you what, let's, let's do it this way. just hold this up. You'll turn that around. <laughs> okay, now I want to get, try and get this in a bit of an order. So, what should come first in our lives? God. What was it? God. Okay, okay. Samuel, come forward, sir. Okay. Okay, that's the easy one, isn't it, right? Okay, we'll go home now. Okay, what comes next, do you think? There's a lot of family. There's a bit of church over here. Okay, all those in favor of family? I think family has it. Okay, is that all right? Sure? Who says church? Okay, okay. Okay, well, it looks like family has it. This is how we make decisions here. <laughs> Bring back church meetings. Right, okay. Okay, what goes next? Come. If you guys come forward so we can see. Church. Okay, okay. Church. What's next? <laughs> work. Oh. No, 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 no. Hang on, hang on. I mean, you're, you're getting the rough end of the stick here. But okay, okay. So, um, who says work? Who says you? Oh, hang on. So, works right at the end. Okay, okay, okay. Are we happy with that. Is that, how we, is, that, is that how we biblically balance our life? What do you think? No? Okay, well, what's, what, what do you want to change? Okay. You want to do that? Do we agree with that? No, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's, that's not very popular. Okay, that's it. We're going to say like that. Okay, right. Now, I think you are all completely wrong. All right, but to be fair, that's the only option I gave you, so I was being a bit cheeky. Now, this is what I think is biblical. Samuel, could you stand on this, please? Because you're just not tall enough. Okay, okay. Now, now, can we have, uh, uh, can we, Tom, can we have that verse up on the Bible, please, from Romans 12? Romans 12 says this, verse one: Therefore. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies all of your life as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. See, what happens, we all do this. But what happens, we think the right answer is putting God first. And all these things come in any order afterwards. It doesn't matter. The reason why that's wrong, family, is because the way you are with your family is, a, is, is an aspect to how you worship God. The way you are at church is an aspect to how you worship God. The way you love yourself, even love yourself, is an aspect of your worship for God. And the way you work is a way you express your love and adoration of God. Do you understand? So so any order, so often people say, oh yeah, God is first, then family, then church, then that. Completely wrong. Biblically, completely wrong. Now, there's another thing that is wrong in this. Is that okay? Do we happy with that? Do you agree with me? (laughs) Some of us. Okay, okay. It's really important. It's really important. Because how I am as a dad, just think about it how i am as a dad whether i love my wife whether i love my kids well is a, is an expression of how i honor god and worship god that's what those verses say that, see we separate these things we think well god is about worship is about singing songs it's not david it's not about singing songs is it see, it's not see we, we don't have a time of worship i mean we often use that phrase and i often use that phrase but we actually use songs to glorify god yeah, we speak out truths. That's what we're doing. But it's the way I love dawn, and the way she loves me is, it's worship. It's worship to God. Yeah, and even when, when I do my, if, I mean, I don't have a proper job because I work for the church. But imagine if I had a, if I had a proper job, then then the way I am as an accountant or as a salesman or as a. Uh, put stacking shelves, or, or the way I'm a politician locally, uh, or whatever it might be. Sorry to pick you out, Michael. But, but, but it's, it's worship. It's how we bring glory to God. Amen? It's really, it's really encouraging because it means everything you do, God's interested in. Everything you do is an aspect of worship. Okay, That's point number one. The next point to this is, is it's wrong, I believe, and we do this a lot with Western world thinking, Western world view, is we separate all these things too much. So what people say is, they say, okay, I'm going to love my family, so I'm going to have family time. And What they mean by that often is, they may even do this on a Sunday, they say, oh, we're not going go to church today because it's about family today. And so they, they're all about their family. That's, that's, that's a very Western world way of viewing Things. It separates everything into different compartments. For, for our other friends from different parts of the world, whether you've been born here or whether you, your culture is this, it's far more things are far more intertwined. So let me explain. So, really, these things shouldn't be separated. Let's have a look. Family, church, well, let's say, keep work separate from me. Sorry, Mark. Okay, okay. But actually, these, not, not too separate, not too separate. But uh, so, really, these three. A very tight. Can you please come as tight? Maybe you need to put sort of hold that across there, and you know, you know, th- 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 <laughs> th- th- these should be these should be so so more interlinked. So so when when Dawn and I Dawn and I got two girls, and are now grown up, but but we but it, you know our family were. Growing together, we were loving one another. We were on a mission together. We were part of the church family together. I, you know, I, I was being blessed by being a dad, and hopefully, they've been blessed by me being their dad. And, you know, it was all—it was all part of one thing. It was Do you understand? And so, I think, particularly the Western mindset, we tend to separate these things in an unbiblical way. It's not the model, I think, that we're given in Scripture. Now, let me just... Okay, you can come away now. Let me just give a little caveat to this. What I'm not saying is that I don't and haven't prioritised my family at times when I've needed to. So, I'm, so there's been moments when um, the girls have needed us. Uh, and we've, when they were particularly... At, Particularly in their teenage years, actually. That's when, 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 when kids particularly need more of you, not less of you. Uh, and so we were, I, my girls, Dawn, our girls have never said to us or, or said, you know, you were always at church meetings. You know, you know or pastoral matters in the church always out our challenges. It, I, it didn't happen, and I don't think it should happen. Do you understand? So I'm not saying that suddenly these are on a level playing field necessarily. It depends what's going on. But what can happen is this could you come down please God thank you <laughs> <laughs> Judith Judith could you come and stand on that see what often happens when we're thinking this as is an isolated thing is we actually could you hold that a bit higher we actually hold that a bit higher thank you we actually make make family our idol and, and we make that more important than anything else or to save a bit of time this happens a lot People make work their idol. Even people make church their idol. Yeah? And suddenly church, because we're thinking God, church is suddenly up here and family and you and everything else is down here. We actually make prioritising being at church meetings over and above other things in your life. Every part of our life is worship to God. Amen? Okay. Thank, should we thank these guys? Thank you. Brilliant. I tell you, you can take them with you. It's, it's one of these. I would add. I meant to say at the beginning that, of course, some of you are retired, some of you are students, and so work represents all of those areas. So forgive me for not mentioning that before, but it's often what you do most of the time. During the week. Okay, so loving yourself is getting the balance right or getting a biblical view of what that balance should look like. Next, loving yourself means embracing and remembering the Sabbath. The Sabbath. Sabbath actually means stop. And one of the problems in our world at the moment is we don't know how to stop. We don't know how to rest. We don't know how to switch off. We don't know how to turn our phones off. We don't know how to distance ourselves from what we spend most of our time doing. I think for some of us we need to think about the pattern of life. How we, ha- how we have a, a pattern of seven days and how we make sure that we have a moment when we pause and I don't mean it's not again the world would say you pause and you be on your own it's it's me time no 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 don't forget all these other aspects so some 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 have said that Sabbath is not coming to church because it's about me and it's about no, no 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 that's not what it means but it means stopping what you would normally do throughout your week to pause and reflect and delight In all that God is doing amongst you. But you know, Sabbath is more than just a day. John Mark Comer wrote these words Sabbath is, is more than just a day, it's a way of being in the world. It's a spirit of restfulness that comes from abiding, from living in the Father's loving presence all week long. In his book, um, which I can't remember what it's called. Yeah. Can you say it a bit louder? Ruthless Elimination of poverty. Thank you. Which is a fantastic book, which really unpacks this subject, that I would recommend. He puts up this list. He says, which list best describes you? Can I put this up? You take a little while to read this. You might want a photograph here. <laughs> It'll be a homework. work. <laughs> Sorry? Well, that's true. <laughs> You're allowed to turn it on quickly. <laughs> let me just mention a few of these. So you've got these two columns. One's a restfulness list and a restlessness list. It will be good as an as a action from this morning to go away and look through that list and think about it, think of where, what's happening in your life. But let me just mention a, a couple of things. The first one, margin and busyness. Now, I had to get my head around. What does it mean by margin? I wasn't sure at first. But let me read this. it probably help you understand. Margin is the space between our load and our limits. It is the amount allowed beyond that which is needed. So, it's talking about having some slack in our lives. Having a bit of wriggle room. It is something held in reserve for contingencies or unanticipated situations. Margin is the gap between rest and exhaustion, the space between breathing freely and suffocating. Margin is the opposite of overload. If we are overloaded, we have no margin. Most people are not quite sure when they pass from margin to overload. Threshold points are not easily measurable and are also different for different people in different circumstances. We don't want to be underachievers, heaven forbid. So we fill our schedules uncritically. Options are as attractive as they are numerous and we overbook. Just throw that one out for you. Create some slack in your life. There may be other things that particularly resonate with you. Deep relationships or isolation. That's a massive problem today. Massive problem today. Obviously, peace and anxiety. Massive challenge for people today. Okay, and finally, love yourself by choosing what is better. There's a beautiful story in our Bibles that actually is it's, it, it's a true story, but it could be a parable for our world today. And it's a story very familiar to us, so much so that sometimes we miss the, 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 the punch. We miss, we miss the importance of the message. It's a story that describes when Jesus was under increasing demands as his popularity was growing. The more he taught, the more people wanted time with him. The more healings, the more miracles uh, people were pressing in, it felt, on every side. So Jesus takes some time out. He creates some slack in his life. Uh, So instantly, he's an amazing model for us. But he retreated to friends, two close friends, um, or a friend's house, sorry, where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus lived. These are this small family that he really enjoyed spending time with. And this is what we read in Luke 10 says this. As Jesus' and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Mary, Martha was distracted. We're distracted by many things, aren't we? By all the preparations that had to be made, she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do the work by myself, tell her to help me. Can you imagine that? Now, I was talking to Dawn uh, this week about this verse, and we agreed that uh, often we feel some sympathy for Martha. uh, Because she's working hard, and Mary isn't, you know. And culturally, I mean, in my culture, this would be not on. you imagine if people arrived at my home and Dawn was working hard, preparing and I'm enjoying myself and and there's more banging and clanging going on as dawn's trying to attract my attention I need help never happens obviously but can you imagine that happening but culturally this is this is this is even more unusual that that this happened and Jesus affirmed what Mary did which is why it's such a powerful story for us which I'm sure Jesus was not just reenacting something for then he was trying to point to something for societies to come Like ours today. And bless her, Martha confronted Jesus. Tell her to help me. Ouch. 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. Brian, Brian. Judith, Judith. Dawn, Dawn. Mum, mum, you know. Yeah, allow it to be personal for you. You are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. See, Mary had chosen to circle around Jesus. And make that, it's it's putting God first, isn't it? And make sure that that relationship is so tight that everything else flows out from it. So today we've looked at it's not fo- to love ourselves. It's not about focusing on me. It's about focusing on God and friends and church and other things. It's about getting the balance right. It's all worship of God. It's about making sure Sabbath is a stop for you. I know of people that turn their phones off for twenty-four hours because they just know that that is where they are vulnerable. We need to, you know, we need to take uh, control of it. And lastly, we see example, Mary chose better, circling her life around Jesus. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.